What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Wizards of Galilee Place podcast. Brendan and Dama back in the show, and we have a special guest with us today, Will Clayton. You can find him on Twitter, at Will Clayton. And we brought him on here for a couple of different reasons today, mostly to talk about Denny Avia, but we're also going to go over some of the games that we have before the deadline, kind of recap our six-game win streak that we're on right now, and maybe some potential moves that we can be looking at now that the roster has sort of taken shape a little bit more, of course, stealing Rui Hachimura to the Lakers for Kendrick Nunn and some picks. Uh, but first things first, let's go over Denny. So I put out a where well, we put out a podcast a while back, and I was rather nasty to, to Denny and some of the fans, and it was never meant to come off as a dig, but, but it was a total jackass move, right? Um, and, and I'll say this. I apologize to the people that I, I said it to, and – I will also apologize. The reason I'm more so apologizing as it pertains to Denny specifically is because I think that he couldn't turn it around. Um, I think our initial analysis of him was accurate. I mean, the guy couldn't really shoot, um, couldn't dribble with his left hand, couldn't finish, and at times was not able to perform as expected on the defensive end of the floor when you're an offensive liability. So I won't apologize for my initial evaluation because I still think that that's correct. However, I didn't think that he had it in him to turn it around and play at the level that he has right now. And this is the maddening thing. And this is why we got so irritated with him. And I tweeted this out the other day is it's because we knew that he could be playing like this Uh, with his frame and initial skill set coming out of the draft. Like it really wasn't going to be hard for him to be a useful two way player. And that was before we figured out he could be a lockdown defender, which I, I didn't know that about him uh, yeah, and during the draft process. So when we found that out and it's like, okay, now we just need to see like literally something offensively and you can be a decent player. And it just wasn't there. And now he's doing stuff that I have. I didn't think he was going to be able to do. He's taking guys off the bounce. He's giving people bodies as he goes to the rim to try and finish layups in floaters. And now he's making three-point shots. And I know it's a very, very, very small sample size. But I think it's pretty safe to say that he's sort of turned a corner now to where he's going to be a really good player, I think, especially off the bench. I don't know what the plan is going to be for him long-term in terms of starting and all that. But, Will, I want you to recap because you've been more of a fan than him than me and Damo have been. So I want you to sort of explain what you saw from the beginning and – if you thought he would get to this point, why did you think that that was possible? What were we missing? So, I mean, so I, you know, first off, I appreciate you both having me on, um, you know, and I appreciate your, you don't really need to apologize. I appreciate in the, uh, you know, the uh, manner in which you're doing it. But like, ultimately, we're all fans and we all want this team to succeed. And the criticism of like some of the things Denny was having early in his career, a lot of it was accurate. Like, he very much struggled shooting. I mean, he, I can't tell you how many layups I watched him miss or, you know, opportunities where he could go up strong and just dunk the freaking ball and just, you know, he wouldn't. He'd, he'd go up weak or get blocked or something. So, I mean, there was, there's totally, you know, inbounds things to be critical about him, especially with a, you know, a top draft pick. The, the disappointment was kind of understandable. Um, for me, like, I, I had always kind of been, in Denny's corner from day one. Some of it was just totally irrational fandom thinking, you know, like, all right, this dude's going to help us out. Great. 
I watched a bunch of tape of him. You know, I know he was playing in a lower level league in Israel, but like his size, his speed, you know, you one, you can't teach size. And like he, he had a good feel for the game. His IQ was high and everything that was brought up about him as like a prospect was all about his, he was just comfortable on the offensive end, kind of controlling the game. Cause he's, I mean, he was basically McAvee's point guard. Um, and you know, I, I, I bought into this notion that, okay, cool. We're going to get this kind of like big point forward guy that's going to help move the ball around. He'll be good as like a three or a four that we can throw in. It's going to be exciting. And then he comes in and the offense struggles, but the defense was there from day one, which was just, I think that was the beginning of it for me personally, like buying in on him so hard because I thought like, all right, so this dude has like an, not necessarily bag, but like he knows how to move around on the offensive end of the court well enough. Now, I mean, he doesn't have a left hand still, but he can like navigate stuff like that. Well, if you pair his defensive ability and that offense comes around, I mean, shit, you, you really might have something with the kid. So like, I, I was incredibly patient and there are so many times where I was just like, man, I don't, I don't know if he's going to do, it. I mean, you can go back through my Twitter feed. I've, I've been frustrated with the dude, but just like, you know, I've always kind of excused he's young. The wizard situation's weird. If you trade him, someone's going to put him in a role and figure out how to use him effectively. And he's going to blossom. And just kind of over time, a lot of those things have, you know, very piecemeal started to kind of chip away, but it's really only been in the last, you know, two weeks or so that we've really seen, you know, turbo fucking come out and, uh, you know, props to Monte for giving him a nickname and giving him, you know, something to kind of just, you know, hype him up because I, it's as a, as a fan of the wizards and as a, a, a fan of the kid, it is so like heartwarming to see like yesterday when they were all like, he hits that little, you know, rev his turbo and everyone on the courts like riding around and they're all, like that dude, that shit just makes me so happy. Like, I, I, I don't even care if, you know, you can talk about our long-term stuff, whatever. Just be happy in the moment. Like, that's the kind of shit you want as a fan. You know, that's the kind of shit you want for your young developing players. You want to see them get that confidence. And for a guy like Denny, his confidence, I mean, you all see it. He's a different dude when he's playing confident. Like, he just, he looks timid if you shove him in the corner and and relegate him to that three and D role that Brooks had him in his rookie year. But he's grabbing boards, you know, bringing it up in transition or letting him initiate the offense. Like, he, and I mean, he wasn't doing any of this before. Now he's getting in the paint, shoving dudes out of his way and finishing at the rim. Like he absolutely body Doug McDermott and just said, motherfucker move and just finger rolls in front of him, gets the and one. Like I've never seen him do anything like that until these like last two weeks. He, he hasn't known how to use his size effectively and he's had trouble finishing. And it's just like, you know, it, it's like a switch flipped for him. And, you know, I, I'm just, I'm just stoked for the dude, you know, victory lap whatever the hell you want to call it i don't even care you know i'm just happy everyone's kind of starting to see some of the the potential that i've been seeing him and him for a while and i mean it's you guys touched on it like the reason you're so frustrated is because it's like why were you not just doing that before and i and i get that but like shit he's doing it now i'll take it Yeah, uh, Damo, I'll let you talk, but but really quick, the the reason, again, it's so frustrating is because, like, you look at his initial skill set and you look at his frame and it's like, you should be a lot better than you are, dude. And 
I didn't think so. It's weird because I never thought that at this point he would be able to turn the corner that he did. But at the same point, it, it is like what you just said, like, dog, like, weren't you just doing this all along? And I know that there's a lot that goes into this that as fans, we probably overlook, you know, we don't know the dynamic that goes on in the locker room and all that kind of stuff. You know, I mean, they already had to overhaul the locker room last year. I mean, let's be real. I mean, his rookie year, he was used inconsistently. Um, then the coach was fired. Then you bring in a new coach. And then it seemed like he had this role carved out. And then he was benched. Well, and then he came back. And so, and then this is a really young player that we're talking about. Like, he's still, what, like 21 years old? So, he's now, still, yeah. yeah, either way. I mean, he's still an extremely young player. And he still has a long way to go. So, maybe it was probably a little unfair to, for me to think that he wouldn't turn the corner. I figured he would get better. But I didn't think that he would be playing with this type of confidence and being able to um, have an advantage over other wings and be able to attack bigs off the bounce and be able to um, creatively finish over, you know, the, the centers and other taller wings. And it's, it's something nice that we're finally seeing. And it's, you know, I know I, I won't speak for Damo, but I think he kind of shares the same sentiment like – you know, we don't want him to be bad. We want him to be good. Like, this is what we've been wanting to see in the whole time, and that's why we got so irritated with him because it's like we yeah. we want something so bad for these guys, and when they don't do it, then it's 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 frustrating. It's not like this guy six one has. It's not like it's a Cassius Winston level player. Like this guy six nine is you know decent handle for his size. Um, you know, is clearly smart. He's clearly a smart player. So you mm -hmm. thought that we would have seen some of those things translate earlier on in his career. But now that he's starting to finally turn the corner, I think it's pretty safe to say that as long as he continues to play with confidence and doesn't get down on himself, which I think has also been a negative on him in the past, I think that we're going to have a pretty damn good player. But Domo, I know you want to get your spiel in there, so I'll let you go ahead and talk now. Yeah, I mean, y'all have covered most of it. I mean, I think... I mean, my my opinion on Denny has been uh, uh, apparent. <laughs> uh, like, I, I think, you know, the, the raw skill set has always been there. Right. But I, I always felt like the approach was bad. Like, he's a 6'9", kind of point forward type. Uh, I, I won't even say point forward, but kind of secondary playmaking forward. And, you know, my comp for him when he came out was like Nick Batum. Right. So it's like you see him come out and then it's like he's trying to be this like Trevor Ariza type where, you know, his game is mostly predicated on jump shots, making threes and playing out on a perimeter. And to me, and I still feel this way, if you're going to play him that way, he's not going to be that good because he loses so much of his advantage as as a guy at 6'9", 230 with his speed with the ball, uh, he loses a lot of that if you're going to play him out on the perimeter and he's mostly taking jump shots. So I think more than anything, it's not like he just got some new ability over the last couple of weeks. I just think his approach changed. Similar yeah. to what Kuzma's approach changed. You know how we used to joke, I used to say Kuzma needs to play 6'10", right? Like, why are you shooting all these threes in jump shots, when you're 6'10", you can get to the rim whenever you want to. It's the same thing with Denny. Like, yeah, move Doug McDermott, little bitch ass, out the way and go get a layup. Stop stop forcing threes. And I know teams can bait you 
you know, they, they were guarding him with Rudy Gobert and centers and giving him 20 feet of space. So it's like, oh, oh, you don't think I can shoot? I'm going to shoot it, right? But you don't have to do that. You have quickness mm-hmm. with the ball. You can get downhill, Euro step your way into the lane and get layups. And when you get those layups, that gives you confidence. Now, or you get fouled, then you get some free throws up. That gives you confidence. Now that three ball feels a little bit better, you know, when you're in rhythm versus you taking it off of a cold start. You miss two, three in a row. Now you're missing layups. You, it, then it's just a, it's a roller coaster domino, uh, you know, downfall of your confidence throughout the rest of the game. And so I'm happy to see it. I hope he continues it. But for me, it's it's never been the, the talent. It's just the approach. He's got to approach every game, say to himself, I'm going to go get I'm going to go get four or five layups today. If he does that, he can he can be whatever you want to be. But if it's going to be this jump shot oriented three point game for him, I think he'll be back in the same rut. <laughs> that we was having beforehand where we was, you know, where it's like, yeah. okay, is this another Troy Brown situation where we don't know what he is in year four? I, right. I, I, I'm, I'm inclined to, like, I agree with all that. And, I mean, I'm glad you brought up um, Kuz and the whole, like, Kuz needs to play 6'10 and get downhill. There is no better mentor for Denny Avdia than Kyle Kuzma. Having that dude on the roster is going to do wonders for I mean, it's already – it's doing tons for his confidence. But, like, that is who you want Denny to play like to a degree. It's kind of like he's a bizarro Kuz. Like, Kuz's offensive game, you know, that's what Denny can do on defense. He's this versatile, good defender that can stop, you know, threes and fours. And you can switch him on to people, and he's going he's gonna to help you out. Whereas, like, you know, there's some questions about his offensive game. But, you know, if, if, he's, if he's playing, like, his size and he's, you know, exploiting these mismatches and he's just ultimately – not afraid to get into the paint, he's gonna he's gonna be fine. Like I yeah. and and the defense is always gonna be there. That's the great thing about having a guy like him. Even if he's having, you know, an off night, you can you something like that. If Denny's having an off night, the defense should still be there and then you can rely on someone like KP, Beal, Kuzma, whoever to cover your scoring load for that. You know just just have less off nights you know just, you got to be way more consistent on that offensive end of the ball um before we get too much into the the games leading up to the deadline and then the deadline itself i did want to talk about kendrick nunn really quick it, it seemed like goodwin was going to be the last guy pegged in the rotation where you would just have morris Wright, and um and goodwin but Kendrick Nunn has carved himself out, I think, uh, a decent role, you know, at least for a bench player. And I think he provides something at the point guard position or or guard position, at least, that we really honestly haven't had since John Wall. You know, some athleticism, someone who can get downhill. Um, I mean, we saw in the first game with his Rockets, he comes down and just yams it over uh, somebody. It might have been, was it St. June that he he dunked on? I forget who it was. Um, was. But then, like, the... The next possession down or whatever it was, and he comes down with the behind the back pass to Kuzma, which Kuzma traveled by the way, but I'll, I'll let it slide. Uh, but but makes a nice play there behind the back, and it's like, oh man, like this is making me think of prime John Wall right now. Like we really just haven't had a guy like this, and I don't know what the plan is going to be for him long term, but I like I could live without some of the shot happiness sort of stuff, but. 
I think for what we need right now for the bench and someone to be aggressive, who can make the three, who can get downhill, and ultimately who, who tries on defense for the most part. And Well, he tries. He may not always be good at it, but um, better than most and better than what we've had. I think that he's played pretty exceptional so far. Will, what do you think? Uh, honestly, like when you guys had our spaces after the trade, I kind of was just like none's a throwaway. Like I, I didn't think he was going to fit the culture that Ted and Tommy were building. Like it, you know, he, he had some issues with Pat. I, I don't really care about that. I'm not going to bring it up, but like, I, I ultimately wrote it off as a, you know, the, the picks are the, what we're getting here and none is kind of right. just there to make the salary work. And I didn't think he was going to stick around or have a role really on the team. Now, you know, I apologize, Kendrick Nunn. Like I, I've been pleasantly surprised with what I've seen. One, he's he's not afraid to take a shot, which is kind of right. what we need when the the second unit breaks down. Like sure. Will Barton, sure as hell wasn't afraid to take a shot, but like I did not want him taking them. So like Nunn, right. even though he's a little streaky, like I do not feel as bad about him getting to a spot and taking a shot. Also, he's much more willing to pass the ball than Barton ever was. So like. He's kind of slotted into like what we were using Goodwin for for a bit, and I don't, I don't think he's going to supplant Goodwin's role in the rotation. I kind of feel like, you know, I get the sense he's kind of just we're giving him some minutes, seeing what he can do. But like ultimately, that's Goodwin's spot once Barton's shipped out at the deadline and we summon him. Um, but you know, I, I've been happy with what I've seen. It's it's good to have a guard like him that has athleticism. Um, it kind of in your reserves. And uh, if for any reason we have to give him, you know, spot minutes or major minutes, I really don't feel uncomfortable with it. I'm kind of like, I, I'm not saying like we had to do what we had to do with the Rui trade, but Kendrick's been like, he's been a pleasant surprise. I'm happy with him. Dama, what do you got on none? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's been, I mean, he's pretty much been uh, well above advertised because I too thought he was just a throw in. But, I mean, you look at his skill set, he's a guy that can kind of get dribble penetration and break his man down. So none of our point guards, you know, bless their hearts, but they're not guys that can, can really, you know, hit you with a left or right, get to the rim consistently and, and have that kind of explosive nature to their game. So none brings that. Like, we we need that. And the shot happiness, we kind of need that. I mean, we we had games where Anthony Gill was turning down threes and – you know, everybody's kind of playing hot potato with the ball. You you need somebody that kind of can threaten the defense in that second unit. And he's pretty much doing what we thought Will Barton was going to be able to do, but at a at a you know, at a better level. Um he's making his threes, you know, he's hitting step backs, he's dunking the ball, like that's what you want. That's what we need. So as long as he's he's playing at that level, I say you keep running it. And it gives you some flexibility in case you make some type of trade. You know, you have a guard that you can, you know, can rely on to come in and and play minutes for you if you end up including one of your other guards in some type of deal. So, yeah, I mean, I I think it it gives you some flexibility, too, to see what you can get for Monte Morris. I mean, if you can just move DeLon Wright into the starting five and then you use Goodwin and none and as your backup guards off the bench. I mean, that's certainly not something where I, I think we're getting worse by any mean. And I know that the the starting five has had a good plus minus and Monte Morris has been a part of that five. But I think that if you put 
right in that five. I mean, you may lose a little bit from set three-point shooting, but I mean, other than that, I mean, I think you pretty much get better. So I think, if anything, it gives you um, a little bit of opportunity to see what you can get for Monte, even if it's a second-round pick and another player. I mean, that's still something that you can get back. And then, again, you can use those seconds down the line as trade chips or whatever if you feel like you need to make another improvement for the bench. Uh, Will, what do you think about the the prospects of that? I know that you said Goodwin is cemented. Yeah, but... no, no, I, yeah, I don't, I don't hate the idea of that because kind of here's what I've been like rolling around like because next season we're looking at you know we're going to be pressed up against the cap if their intent is to keep brad kp and kuzma um they're gonna have to make some kind of maneuvers and looking at the roster everyone's been talking you know we want a we need a point guard to make all of this work and like i i do not disagree i would love to have better point guard play um but over and again, small sample size. Last five games, the net rating with uh, Kuzma, uh, Beal, and Denny is like plus 12.6. Um, KP and Gafford's net rating on the court together is always stupid high. Like, I think we have, I think we have a, uh, there's a lot of talent on this roster that a point guard would help elevate them. But it's, it's also like, do we really need a star? Or do we need just do we need someone who can give us like fifteen and eight, sixteen and eight, you know, like just someone who can kind of pull everything? And like I thought, Monte was a good fit for that, um, and he has been playing much better as of late. Um, props to Monte, but like he's just not the scoring threat or the penetration threat that you want out of your your starting point guard. And I mean. You know, I guess they expected, you know, Beal and Kuzma can give you that. But, like, ultimately, Beal's so good off ball. If you don't have dribble penetration from your lead guard, you know, it makes his off ball movement, you know, it negates a lot of what he can do if you're trying to kick out to him. So, I mean, the idea of moving Morris and having none in a reserve and using guys like Wright and Goodwin, I'm not opposed to it. It's really just a matter of, like, what's that ultimate, what's that end roster going to look like? Because for, as limited as Monte is, he's also, you know, I've, I've heard uh, Damo say a lot, you know, advanced stats um, favor risk-averse players, and it's true. And while Monte is risk-averse, that's also kind of a good thing in terms of the efficiency for the offense because he, he does not turn the ball over much. Um, but uh, I, I could get on board. I don't know about none being none and right or right and good win with none as the reserve. I don't know how that is as our long term or for a year or two as a point guard rotation, if that's the answer. But I could I could definitely be sold on it just with what I'm kind of seeing from the rest of our roster. Um, I don't know what y'all's thoughts are. I think like what I'm looking for from someone at the point guard position at this point is I'm not even looking for someone who can give like I know you were throwing out there, like I I think you said fifteen and eight. Like I mean, realistically, with with Beal, Kuzma, and KP having the ball, I don't know who else is going to have the room to be able to get eight assists. I mean, ideally, you would think yeah, that's that fair. would be Brad or Kuzma. So what I'm looking for from someone at the point guard position is just someone who can apply pressure when needed and someone who can make the three ball and play decent defense. And really, that is kind of what Kendrick Nunn is and does. So I, I'm not saying that he should be the, the starting point guard going forward, but like you were saying, they're, they're going to be tight against the cap. 
Um, it looks like I, I think I don't I'm not 100 percent sure how this works because I get confused about it. But I think they'll have his bird rights. Correct. Going into the summer. So if they needed to spend a little bit more or say that they'll bring him back around the same amount, like maybe they'll give him um, around DeLon Wright money to come back. And maybe next year they, they just hash it out between Wright and none. Maybe they draft someone. I don't know. But I think that with what the starting five needs, I think that Kendrick Nunn sort of provides the extra stuff that that unit may need. But, Damo, I kind of want to get your thoughts on that. And when we're heading into the deadline, what kind of player you think the Wizards need? Um, I mean, at least at the point guard position or what type of, you know, what type of tier player you think? Because I know we talked about Fred Van Bleed or not, but – I mean, to get to that point for me, like, yeah, it'd be a cool addition. But again, at some point, there was only one basketball to go around. So I don't know what you're thinking about that at this point. Yeah, I, I've I've been, you know, a, a proponent of, of going after Fred Van Vliet. But looking at, you know, some of the kind of reports I've seen out recently on him, the type of money he wants, uh, which is anywhere from 30 to 35 a year. I, no. I think I, I think I'll pass. That's Kyle um, Kuzma money. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I mean, a six foot point guard. Like I, I, and I'm still not sure about his defense outside of a, a Toronto Raptors system with Nick Nurse and all of those long athletic wings. I feel like that could be an ugly situation where we pay him that type of money, give up the assets to get him, and then he comes here and he's just as much a liability as Monte Morris is, and he's getting hunted. So. Yeah, I, I, I would I would stay away from that. I, I wish Monte Morris was six five and can get to the rim because he'd be perfect. He's kind of like he's exactly what we need, but he's just like like half of it. Like he's like offensively right. the way he approaches the game, taking care of the ball, you know, getting guys to where they need to be. He's almost kind of like Mike Conley in that sense, where he's just a true point guard. He's not going to force anything. You know, he's not going to really press the issue and he's not going to make a lot of mistakes. That's what you want. But problem is when, you know, you you need a guy that can get to the rim and you get a big switched out on you on the pick and roll. He can't break you down like he just he just struggles with that. Um, You know, I just think it's an athleticism thing. That's why he was the 52nd pick in the draft and not a, you know, top 10 pick. Or a lottery pick. So, you know, if we could get a guy that can kind of give you that caretaking aspect of of playing the point guard position, but they also give you some more athleticism at the spot defensively and getting to the rim, I think you gotta I think you have to consider it. But I wouldn't pay some ridiculous amount of money for it because I think this team has enough ball handlers on it that you don't need to spend that much money on the position. Like, I I don't want to see them trying to go get, you know, a guy that's going to be, you know, 30% usage playing point guard. Like, I just don't think that's the right situation here um, with what we have now kind of materializing uh, with with this unit. But, uh, yeah, if they could could get a guy, like I said, that can get more rim pressure – Play some better defense. I think. I think you. I think you look into that for sure. Well, uh, rim pressure and better defense. Does someone just want to give Monte a nickname because that that works for Denny apparently? <laughs> right. It, it, uh, no, I'm just throwing this out there. Um, 
And I don't know, actually, real quick, what did you guys make of that last night when Denny had, you know, mentioned, you know, do the John Wall and Brad was kind of like, and <laughs> that was, that was fucking hilarious. I'm not going to lie. I don't know. That what was to great. That. It's like one I, of two things to me. Brad is either not fucking with it or Denny knows something that we know. So I think this is my take on it. I literally just thought like Brad's aware enough that he knows that that video dropped with John. There's kind of some like Brad and John are tight. Like I don't think they have any issues, but he's aware enough about like kind of what some of the conversation is that's surrounding that whole ordeal. Like him and Camille are on Twitter. They see shit. Um, I literally think that's him just, just kind of like, no, this like, this is just a different era. I don't, I don't think that's shade to John. I don't think that's like, no, 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 don't, don't do that here or whatever. I kind of think that was just him being like, uh, you know, John's not here. You know, there was that video that came out that was kind of maybe don't do that right now. But like, I don't think he was offended or take it out. Like, I don't think there's bad blood. I think it's literally it was just Brad was like, no, I'm not doing the John Wall. I'm not John Wall. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel that. It does make you wonder, though, because it looks like the Clippers want to move off from him. And again, I don't know what extra healing would need to be done here. And I don't think that he would honestly fit um, with our other guys. But I mean, I guess it is worth kind of seeing, you know, and would you guys be interested in maybe trying to bring him back, especially if it's not going to cost much? And I mean, look, if they give us a second round pick, you know, say they say, yeah, we'll give you John in the second for Monte Morris. I mean, is that something that you you guys consider? Damo, I'll start with you on that. Yeah, my heart says let's do it, right? For the reunion, for the for the headlines, for the you know the comeback tour, right? But my head says no because, like the last couple months, John has dealt with some injuries, uh, kind of been in and out of the lineup, uh, been pretty much like a nine point per game player on bad efficiency. I don't want to see that version of him here. And then he becomes kind of the punching bag of wins and losses for this team, right? Like, I, I want to see him try to get it somewhere else. Like, L.A. to me, I felt like was the Clippers situation was the perfect spot for him. He got to be with, a you know, a guy like Paul George, who's, who he's close with and he wanted to have here. Two dominant wings he can kind of facilitate off of. But he's had some some injury issues. I mean, the whole team has had some injury issues. Right. Staying on the floor together, so I, I think the Clippers are kind of looking at it like, well, we already got Paul George and Kawhi kind of struggling with injuries. Now the point guards are struggling with injuries. We got to kind of get some guys in here, some bodies in here that are going to be available, uh, you know, to to upgrade in that aspect. So, um, you know, and if, if I'm sure, so they were looking at Fred Van V. That would make a lot of sense for them if they're willing to spend the money. So. But but yeah, I, I don't think I would want that here. I think I think you keep you keep Monte and and again, unless you can make a clear upgrade and like that's like a to me like a a dame that type of level player. I I, I wouldn't I wouldn't rock the boat too much. Yeah, no, I mean that, that's kind of where I'm at with it too. But well, what do you think about the prospects of of potentially bringing John back? You kind of off the train? You more open to it? Where are you? At? I'm a I mean, I can't believe I'm saying it, but I'm more off the train than I'm on. Just, I mean, for everything Domo mentioned, like, so John, like John is as much as I love Denny, I love John probably a hundred times more. Like he's my guy. Um, it's just not the right 
fit and the timing wouldn't make sense. And then on top, like, I love, I love John. And as a player, like even 80%, 75% of him as his max, like with injuries or whatever, I, you know, ideally I think he's kind of would be what we want because everyone wants that point guard, but like, you know, he's not the same dude that he was back in 15, 16, 17. And he's real. his efficiency is pretty bad this year. Like, you know, I, I really wanted the Clippers to just, you know, go gangbusters and just run the West. And so I could, you know, have a John Wall victory tour or whatever, but like, you know, they've really struggled with all those injuries. And it, it's exactly what Donald said. Like they're looking at that roster and like, all right, well, we've got PG and Kawhi. We can't be dealing with, you know, John Wall at the point guard spot also having injuries. So, you know, I, as much as I would love the story of having him back in DC and I'd be happy to see him, it would be, it would be real tough to have him come in, you know, kind of mess with the chemistry that's going on. Like it would reestablish who's the leader in the locker room, whose team is, you know, we could say it's Brad's or Cousy. John comes back. All those questions come back. Um, and then uh, does John even want to be back? Like, does Ted even want John back? There's so many layers to it. Like, I think it would just be so messy. Um, it would be a very short-lived, like, happy moment for some of the fans. And then we would just be like, you know, crap, this isn't the guy I fell in love with. And, and John, I mean, John needs the ball a lot, too, like, to be effective. You know, we've got all these talented dudes now, and the ball moves pretty well. Like I, Wes is, I gave Wes a lot of shit, but his system's looking good, especially with KP in there. KP's, you're right about the not needing an eight assist point guard because like KP's been moving the ball great. Kuzma moves the ball well. Brad moves the ball well. Yeah, D- Denny can move the ball. Like we've got a bunch of good passers. I don't think we need that one lead guard to facilitate. And if we're not having a guy like that, even though John can get in the paint, the defense isn't there. The efficiency is not there. You know. I mean, we, we have Kendrick Nunn, who's basically a better player, I would say, at this point. Yeah, I mean, like, at, at this point in their careers, that's – that's. I, I, you're not going to catch – here's the thing. I'm not going to badmouth John. So, like, I love the guy, but, like, I just don't think him coming back to the Wizards would be – it would end very poorly. Yeah, no, I, I, I just think, like, uh, the, an explosive the standpoint, being like, able to shoot defense, I mean, there's no way that right now you can say that John is better than none. I mean, just from I mean, the comments he made, too, in the, in the recent podcast, I mean, it's just no way Ted is having him back on this team. Like, he basically <laughs> called the whole front office a liar. I you, guess yeah, you think Tommy's going to, okay, bringing him back in after on. he basically <laughs> poured gasoline over this man? Like, no way. Like, Zero percent chance of John Wall being a wizard again in the next yeah. five years. Like maybe you know if he's still playing at a certain can we, level. Uh, and, can we throw him one of those NFL like one day contracts so he retires a wizard? Retire yeah. <laughs> wizard type situation, but no, nah, you don't throw the whole front office under the bus and think you're gonna get traded <laughs> back here. Like that's just not gonna happen, you know. So it's yeah. just funny so, he did that, and everyone was like, "Yeah." yeah pretty much i mean i I, I, even with that though i still feel like you know it's it's kind of the business like these guys they gotta lie they kind of that's their job like that's that's what they gotta do they gotta kind of lie they gotta kind of give you the hollywood talk 
That's just, you know, that's what they do. I mean, you can, I pretty much every GM out here, I'm sure you can find a player that could, that will tell you, oh, yeah, they lied to me or they weren't 100% honest. Oh, yeah. That's, they, you, you they have all to talk do. out of around. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's, that's the way you have to do the business in general. I mean, if you're sports agents, if you're a GM, anybody, I mean, you got to like wheel and deal. And I mean, ultimately, everybody understands that you're trying to make the best team you can get. Like, they're not going to hold it against you. Like, this is pro sports. This is the bigs, dog. Like that's that's the way it works, man. There's no one that's gonna fine you for lying to them. So they're gonna lie. Yeah, and the, when the you reason... haven't played in two years, right? Like you you lose kind of that leverage of a general manager kind of letting you in on everything. You don't yeah. have that you don't have that leverage anymore. You don't have that privilege anymore because they look at it like, well, you're not good enough. You're not reliable enough. So I'm not gonna let you know everything like I would a Jason Tatum, you know? Yeah. Not that I'm making excuses for Tommy. Like he can he can no. figure his own yeah. shit out. Yeah. <laughs> so just to finish up on John here real quick, I will say that I don't think it was the most stable of situations for him to be in just because of the injury history with all the guys on that team. I mean, like like you know, you said it was, we already knew that Paul George and Kawhi didn't even play to start the season. So I'm not going to say that it's you know his fault or anything that it hasn't worked out and if they want to move on to a different point guard for health reasons or whatever i mean i get it but um for both parties you know this is kind of what that it's what they signed up for um and i'm going to be honest like i'm not really sure what other legit opportunity john is going to get after this like i think this was his last opportunity at least to be a starting point guard i still think maybe there's a role somewhere for him um, but I, I think that this is kind of it, and I and I think after this season, the door is going to be kind of shut on him for for being a starter. Uh, the the reason that point guard to me is such a is the hottest topic is because we talked about Daniel Gafford earlier, and he's probably I think they're going to probably move forward with him, Porzingis, and uh, Kuzma in the front court. So when you I have Theo so. at the two, well, that logically only leaves one position left to fill. So that's why it's so interesting is well, what do they do and how are they going to plan it? Because going back to Monte Morris real quick, it's interesting because since they have KPs and Kuzma's bird rights, they can wait to sign them until the end of free agency if they think that they already have deals lined up. And then it gives you a little bit of freedom to sign a point guard in between where you're not as cap constrained. Because once Kuzma and KP sign those deals, then yeah, the Wizards are not going to be able to add anyone. Um, so you're but it makes you wonder. Now. What's that? So you're talking about a tax team now. Yeah, exactly. And so that's why it's like, how much does Ted want to actually go into the tax? Because if they think that they can't find anyone better, or if they think that all the options are going to be more expensive, well, then they may just keep Monte for the hell of it. If they feel like they really don't need someone better from that position, and then they re-sign Kendrick Nunn on a small deal. You already have DeLon right? And they just say, hallelujah. But I, I'm I'm I don't know if there's another like mid tier option right now, or maybe if when free agency opens up, maybe they try and get something done, um, be a sign and trade or something like that. I don't well, that's, know. That's honestly kind of the biggest hindrance in us getting a point guard at the deadline. The options right now are they're not good. Like, and the the available options are in terms of what we're trying to like slot in with our cap space and everything. There's nothing that's a good fit in terms of what we're looking for and what we want on the roster. And like, 
you know, as and as far as Ted and the tax goes next season, if the roster, like if the team keeps kind of like, you know, they're not going to just win 40 freaking games the rest of the way. But I mean, if they finish, you know, a couple games over 500 or we've got like 45 wins or something like, you know, it's way too early to call that. But if they're looking like that and Ted is balking at the idea of going into the tax next season, what the fuck did we give Brad a contract for? Like you gave him that supermax with the intent to have a guy like that to compete. If you're not willing to go into the tax while you've got all these dudes locked up, you're not taking this game seriously. So, I mean, how yeah. far I over the like threshold he, is, he goes is, I, I, I do think he is now, but like, that was real. So I, yeah. I, I feel like he is like, you're not trying to trade for Donovan Mitchell unless you're willing to pay the tax, you know, like they already knew they were paying bill. They had KP here, and then they were trying to trade for Donovan Mitchell back in September, just a couple months ago. So I think Ted's might have flipped. Yes, but, but you know, it's still TBDs. <laughs> so, that, that's pretty much my whole thing with him is like, I, you know, I'm going to be skeptical until I actually see you paying the tax and what that roster looks like. Because, like, it all sounds good, but, like, has Ted ever paid the tax? He did it one year, 2018. Yeah. That was the, 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 the twelve. Okay, I was gonna say, yeah, yeah. White Howard and all those. <laughs> and no wonder, no wonder he's scared shitless of doing it again. I mean, not like we've given him. There's been a roster that you're kind of like, mm, should I do this? But like, you know, I get his reluctance. But like, you go around inside Brad like that, and you you build around like that is your only way to compete. We're not gonna put together a contender, you know. And I don't. I, I've been critical of the contract. It's nothing against Brad. It is so hard to assemble a contender around that contract, especially if you've got KP and you're looking at giving Kuz freaking, I mean, he's going to get like 30 plus a year. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, it, will, it will require guys overperforming on, you know, cheap deals, rookie deals. Yeah. Like, you know, that's, like, like you, that's why Denny popping off is great. Like, if Corey Kispert can you know, bottle up one or two guys a night on defense and he can still keep – because he's slashing like 50, 40, 90 right now almost. You know, I question what his trade value is just to see if he – but, like, he's not a bad piece to have because we need the shooting. But, like, right. they, uh, they're going to have to start – all the moves that they're making, if you're keeping those, you know, those three dudes plus Denny plus Monte plus Gaff, you're going to have to win in the margins, period. That's it. Or you're going to have to get internal development from those guys if you want to keep them. And I mean, I don't know how much more internal development you can expect from Beal, KP, and Kuzma. Kuzma may have a little more in him. Um, Denny, you know, just needs to flash consistently. Corey can develop. But like, you know, what are we expecting? Like, we can't expect Kendrick Nunn and Monte Morris to like turn into these star point guards. You're going to have to be smart and savvy. And that's where like Tommy's good in trades, but like, are you this good? Are you that good that you can build a, a contender when your cap is that strapped? That's where I'm like, I don't know. I don't know where this is going. Like, I've, I've loved watching, but, like, I don't know how this shit's going to end. <laughs> I mean, we said from the beginning, and me and Damo have harped on this point several times, but if you were going to get nothing from the draft picks, then the team isn't going to be good no matter who you have at the top of the roster. Because yeah, if you look true. at all of the contenders, um, they have at least – one or two guys that are on cheap deals that are making solid impact or in your top eight, top nine rotation. 
Um, unless you're you're just like the Warriors or something, and you have like this high ass payroll, and even the Warriors are starting to wear a little bit. But anyway, I digress. Um, but that's why it was so important for for guys like Denny to to come out and and finally have these great performances where we can rely on you and where not only just rely on you, but where you're a threat because now teams teams got to try and game plan for this dude now because shit's not sweet anymore. Yeah, if you're sleeping yeah. and if you want to put some lame ass duck on defense on him, well, you're gonna get bullied. You're gonna get blown by. A shot's gonna be made over you, and then he's gonna be blowing kisses to the crowd after he makes three pointers on you. So, it, well, the the thing that kind of like pisses me out because we talk about the development of the draft picks. Like we've been, you know, railing on Tommy and Ted and the meat team being mediocre. And like, imagine how much more complete this roster looks. Like adding the root trade. If Johnny Davis is I know. either Johnny Davis or playing like Johnny Davis, or he's Jalen Durant or Tari Eason or one of those AJ other dudes Davis. that we could have Like, imagine we have that guy on the roster instead of Johnny. Because it's not even like you could be like, oh, Davis is struggling or whatever, and he's not giving. He is literally giving us nothing. He is adding nothing to the team. And it's nothing against him. It's just like you draft in the top 10, and Tommy's all like, we're going to get an immediate contri- like someone who can contribute day NBA ready day one. He called Johnny Davis a point guard. Like that's the kind of shit with Tommy where it's just like, dog, what are you talking about? Like what, what, what's going on in your head? Like I'm convinced he can't scout the point guard position for shit. And that's why he's so averse to like taking anyone. But like you, that's the kind of contract hey, where you have someone that can produce like that. Oh, he wanted Dyson Daniels, but you know, I, I just too. think Shit. you know, I, I just think they were dead set on trying to get a defensive guard. And once Dyson Daniels was off the board, well, Johnny Davis kind of fit that architect archetype next, you know, but they didn't really factor, you know, the game translating, you know, maybe the injuries, um, the size or lack thereof, the ath- athleticism. Um, right. you know, so it is what it is, but yeah, they're going to have to, you know, because there are teams, uh, you know, that that are paying even out that are paying out bad contracts, you know, but it doesn't matter because they got a guy overperforming on a cheap contract like the Sixers, for example, they're paying Tobias Harris one hundred and eighty million dollars. Tobias Harris is not one hundred and eighty million dollar player, but Tyrese Maxey is on a rookie deal. So, yep, right. you know, you look at the Knicks, they got Fournier quickly and uh, like. Grimes and McBride. They don't even need yeah. to play for here. <laughs> exactly. You can just sit that eighteen million on the bench because McBride is overperforming. Grimes is overperforming. The Heat, you know, they're paying horrible contracts out to Duncan, you know, but they have guys overperforming the, you know, cheap deals. So that's what the Wizards are gonna have to do. Yeah. I mean, I mean, um, even to, like, to a degree like that, the dudes who are on their big deals, you know, it's Brad and KP need to play like Brad and KP. Like that, that's how we're going to win. And it, a lot of that's just availability for them. So like, that's the, where the it only, also gets dicey. The, the only thing for me, I wish with the big three and then we'll finish up real quick. I just want to make one last point. And it's so funny because I thought the same thing last night as I was watching the game As they go to KP in the beginning of the game. And after the first quarter, 
they don't do shit to prioritize prioritize him the rest of the game. Like, he'll have 13, 15 points in the first quarter and then end with 19, 20, 21, whatever. And I'm like, bro, why don't they just make it a priority to keep feeding him the ball? Like, he's a bucket. Like it happens to him a lot, too. It happens like, That's a lot. not the first game that's happened. No, no, no. Uh, but I knew it was going to happen after they got the hot start. I was like, ah, they're going to go away from him for the rest of the game. I almost tweeted it, but I was like, yeah. Hey, but didn't uh, didn't KP have like six or seven assists? Like, I think maybe they just he didn't start a doubt. Like, he was moving the. He had that jump pass to Brad on the break. That was I was like, okay, KP, let's go. Yeah. Um, last five question mark games before the deadline, right? Uh, yeah, there's five. Okay, what are our opponents? One of you two has them. Uh, I'm pulling it up. I know we got. I know we have the Pistons next. Pistons are next. Um, all right. After that, we've got Blazers. That's Friday. Yeah, Blazers. Okay. Nets on Saturday. That's a big one. Um, that's about KD, though, right? Yes. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's going to be a litmus test game right there. And then Cavs following the Nets. Ooh, that's a. Oh, that's not a back to back. Thank God. Okay, so yeah, Nets Saturday, Cavs Monday. Hornets Wednesday and then deadlines on the ninth. I mean, they really could go four and one in this stretch. Well, it's wild because like Damo tweeted like the ten game stretch, and he was like predictions, and I was like four, maybe six, and they've already won five. Like, right? I, That's right. I, I don't know what's too. gotten into them. Like, it's I, I want to say that they maybe pick up. You know, they they should they should pick up the Pistons game and the Hornets game. Those should be gimmies with how they've been playing. I would like them to take the Blazers and you know, if they come away with three wins, they you know, right. from those next five, I'll be happy. Right. But I want them to win one of those Nets or Cavs games. If they can win one of those and they or if they can just hang and look, you know, competent doing it, I'm not going to be mad. <laughs> right. Yeah, there's a um, possibility they go into the All-Star break above 500. Who would have thought yep. that? I think – so looking at the standings, I still think that six is reasonably attainable as long as they keep it up. They stay relatively healthy. We'll see what they do at the deadline. I still think that they should try and get another bench piece. I, I think that I've kind of ruled out the possibility at this point of them trading for uh, a big-name point guard or at least someone that for certain is going to be better than Monte. So I honestly think that they stand pat with the starting five, but maybe a guy like Josh Richardson is available and we package like two of those second round picks that we got in the Lakers deal for him or something. And we ship out Will Barton. I don't know. Um, but I still feel like they should tighten up the bench a little bit, give us someone who is a, a threat to score the ball, give you a little bit of defense. I think that Richardson kind of fits that profile a little bit, but um, I still think that six is what they should be aiming for. And I know that for this year, that should be the goal. For years going forward, if they're going to go all in on this Beal, Kuzma, KP, I mean, if you're deciding to pay those guys, to me, that's telling me that you can win. So I think the expectation goes up in the offseason, and next year you're saying, okay, well, now let's try and get top four. But for now and, and how bad we started this year, I, I think that, Six is, I think, the ceiling for them for the rest of the season. Yeah, that, I mean, that losing streak really set them back hard. I mean, and I mean, they had so many injuries, but like, I, I think six is attainable, which is kind of wild. I did not see them 
you know, being within reach of that at the start of the season. Um, and ultimately, like, there's so much back and forth about, like, we just want – people want to tank so we can keep the pick for the draft. If we keep the pick for the draft, we can add someone, but, like, we also have zero flexibility to still make big moves. Like, that is, that's the silver lining to making the playoffs this season. And even if we get bounced in the first round, you have so much more flexibility to retool to make that kind of top four seed run next year with moving picks. The question is like, can you fit it all under the cap? But like, yeah, I mean, like at this point, you know, I, I wanted the pick more than anything. I wanted us to just kind of tank, but like at this point, it's so much better for the locker room and the culture and the guys involved to just, you know, let them hope, let them try and get in the playoffs and shit. You never know what happens. If we made six seed, we're looking at playing Philly. What if Embiid or Harden's injured? In the first round, or they're you know run into something they you know, right? I'm not you, you never know anyway. But like I, you know, and it's it's way too early to talk playoffs. But like shit, you know, I just I just don't get the reluctance. You know, the team's playing great ball, and there's so many people who are just like, nah, fuck this, it's not real. And it's like okay, you can think that, but like I'm still gonna enjoy it. Like I'm a fan of the team, and they're playing good basketball for the first time in a long time. So. What? And they're easy guys to root for, right? Like these are all guys exactly. with tremendous personalities and, and you want to root for them by nature, even when they're struggling. Like with Denny, it's, it's always been, I would say tough love. And like, I've legit came after him and said that he's ass and, you know, trash and never going to be good. And, and in a weird way, it's just an all love sort of thing because we, we want the, those types yeah. of guys to, to be good. I mean, they're nice. Me and Dom say all the time, like it's nothing against him. Like personally, it's a, uh, you know, we want you to be good. These guys are easy to root for. So I think that kind of ties into, and um, we haven't had a leader like who's here in a while because we know John really wasn't that guy. Brad has kind of openly never been that guy. So now that we have guys like that and KP has got a sweet personality, so it, it makes it easier to, to want them to win as opposed to tanking. And I've always been on the side of tanking, but that's because they haven't been able to string together uh, a team that can win on a consistent basis. If they want to start winning on a consistent basis, well, I'm fine. You can pay whoever the hell you want, but the results have to be there. So if we can get what we've seen from this team since the Rui trade, and we get that type of team on a consistent basis and against competitive teams, I'm cool. You can pay whoever the hell you want. I'm fine with it. But again, the consistency and the winning has to be there to justify that. And if it's not, then that's where I've always been like, okay, well, we should probably start thinking in another direction. Yeah, for sure. Totally agree. I mean, I, this is the nation's capital. I mean, I said it the other day, but, you know, if they're winning, they're playing top four, you know, basketball, uh, say by this time next year, I think Ted needs to spend the money, man. You know, yeah. it's been a long time coming. But let me let yeah. me ask y'all this, because I, I, I said this, this was before we started winning. So this was before the season I said this. But you had mentioned playoffs, and I was just, I just kind of, it brought it up in my mind. As a, as a big three, your, your defense, in your mind, who would you say is a harder three to stop? KP Kuzma Beal or Wall Beal Auto? KP Kuzma Beal. Mm. It gets confused. It, it's hard because Wall was the shit 
in his prime. You know what I mean? So it's like, I as a general threat, like the most balanced threat, I would take the the KP Kuzma Beal. But if we're talking like overall impact, like the because the most upside you're going to get is the one with Wall. Because Wall, that version of Wall is more dominant than any of these players that we're talking about right now. So, yeah, yep. I would it's agree. the same thing. It's the same thing with the with the Gilbert Arenas uh, big three thing too, right? Like I think John in his prime was better than or had more impact than Gil did in, in his prime, and if people are going to disagree. That's fine. Um, but but I think that the the balance of those three um, ma- makes that era more greater than the Wall era, if that makes sense. So as an overall impact, yes, I would take the KP Kuzma uh, Beal. But John by far had the most gravity out of all these players that we're talking about. Well, so, so it makes it tough. Yeah, I agree. That I, that's tough. So you're saying though, who's harder to defend of the three? Yeah, like say you were you were coaching a team and you're getting yeah. ready for a playoff bout and you got the 2016 big three of Wall, yeah. Bill, Otto, yeah. or the big three now. Like, I who think, are you spending you know more hours game planning to stop? I the think three now. I, uh, yeah, I think the three now, just because like the structure of that wizard. Like, Brent is right. Like John of that group, John 2016, John Wall is the best player there, but. The versatility and the size you get having one Kuzma can like Kuzma over Otto is a no brainer, in my opinion. Like, he's offering so much more. And I liked Otto when we had him super efficient, gave us good defense. You can kick, but he can't put the ball on the floor like Kuzma can. He can't force the issue. He can't give you mismatches like that. He can switch on defense, but he's not as, I don't feel like he was as quick laterally as Kuzma. KP is a, you know, he's a matchup nightmare. I know he's not going to be getting, you know, you know, doing dream shakes on people in the post or anything, but like he's going to shoot over anybody. Well, really, well, that's the, the difference maker for me is KP. That that's what makes yeah. that, this conversation sort of like sway in the direction of the three that we have now is just because of KP skill at that size. We just well, it, it's rare. And I think like to game plan again, like if you're defending Wall, Beal, Otto. Wall is the engine that makes that shit run. So, I mean, right. you, you uh, game plan against getting the ball out of Wall's hands if you can or taking away his drives or whatever and forcing them to get – like if it's – you know, if you're getting Raptors round two, Beal, you know, good fucking luck. But, like, if he's kicking out to Beal or Otto, I'll take my chances more on that than, you know, praying that Kuzma and KP just have off-shooting nights because that's ultimately kind of what you're going to have to do to to take away KP, you're just going to either need to like, I mean, front him or deny him the ball. Like, I mean, he's so big, he's going to find a way to get the ball. He's just going to catch it over people. You got to double you, him. Yeah, I mean, but if you double him, he's such a good pat. Like, he good luck doubling. He's going to kick out to Brad or Coos or whoever. Like, right. It, it, that's a good question, but I think just the versatility that Kuzma and KP offer because B, I mean, Beal is going to be an off ball nightmare in either case. But because right. Wall's so ball dominant in that case, it, I, I think I'm leaning the latter. I don't know where you fall on that. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I said it, but, you know, when we acquired KP and then Kuzma started taking off, I, I said it, you know, before they really even played, they played any games together, but I just said those three together, I like as a unit better than I ever did Wall, Bill, Auto, because I felt like at the time that team was all wall dependent. Um, Bill at the time had no handle. Auto Porter never got handle. Um, you know, the, the Celtics guarded him with 5'9 Isaiah Thomas. So, that to me tells you right there just how teams view that 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 team like that there were some holes there in those guys games that you know in a playoff series kind of gets exploited you know because to me playoffs is a different season um right. they find teams game plan you they know exactly what you're going to do mm-hmm. everybody knows everybody's plays and we're going to try to force you to do things that you can't do and i think the list of things that this group now can't do is shorter than the list of things the group before could yeah. do. Yeah, that's um, pretty perfect. <laughs> yeah. So that, that's the way I feel about it. But but I do agree with y'all. Like Wall, the engine that he was as a playmaker when he would get out on a fast break and his his ex, his explosiveness, his gravity was more than anybody that we have now. But to me, playoffs is all about versatility because I I remember so often in playoff games in that era that it was, you know, if you stopped wall, it, it was, it looked rough or when wall went to the yeah. bench, it was rough. Yeah. Where it was this group now, I feel like they can kind of, each one of the guys can kind of function as their own offensive hub without the other two on the floor. Um, yeah. You can run offense with KP, you can run it yeah. with Kuz, you can run it with Beal. Or you can run it with all three. Like, it's just more versatility. So I think for me, it's about kind of getting the rest of the roster kind of getting in line with the shooting and the defending to really maximize this group. Right. I agree. Right. And, and that's where, like, it's so good now, and we've said this a couple of times, that it's good that Denny's kind of, you know, breaking out of his shell a little bit because we need those other guys to be able to step up. If this team is going to have any type of, impact or success in the playoffs i mean the the big three can do whatever they want but it truly is the role players that'll be the big difference makers and you know is this team a first round exit or can the team with that big three be a a conference finals you know type team so yeah and and that's why i say like right now like i think that that they need to try and figure out some other pieces that they can maybe acquire to put on their bench to help bolster that unit so that when the big three is off the floor, well, you still got guys to worry about. Well, now you got to worry about Denny and Josh Richardson. Oh, and, and Kendrick Nunkin scored the ball a little bit too. Oh, but DeLon Wright is a nasty defender. You know what I mean? So things like that, I think they need to continue to, to try and, and shore up. So um, is there anything? Shout out, shout out DeLon Wright. Our record with him yes. is awesome. <laughs> 15 to six. Um, dude, that's, that's insane, dude. Like, <laughs> he is so fucking good at defense. It is absurd. I've never seen anybody impact from the perimeter as a like a kind of smaller guard. Like him. he's not a smaller guard. The like, last guy I've seen that impact defense the way he does was Larry Hughes. Hughes. Oh yeah, dude. Hughes was a monster. But even that That's Delon is like his his off ball instincts too. He's just he's all over the place yeah. like he just makes but, these but, plays i'm like how the fuck did you see that dude but, but larry Hughes could do what the lawn is doing defensively and he can go get you 20 yeah. points and five assists with it too 
Yep. That's the difference. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but as far as that defensive instinct, the, you know, in the passing lanes and, and just disrupting your whole offense, like Larry Hughes was that dude. It's crazy the Hawks couldn't make more use of the guy. For yeah, me, dude, I, right. can't, I, I can't believe he Next sat on the bench as long as they didn't do it right. That, that makes so <laughs> much sense. Just throw him in and run that unit. Like, they just offset each other. Whatever. Well, as much as we could talk for probably five more hours at this point, but we'll, we'll go ahead and cut this one. But I want to thank Will for, for coming on and chatting with us here today to talk about a bunch of different things. We're going to try and get more people on the pod as we – Close the year now that the the Wizards are winning, and hopefully it stays that way. We'll be more inclined and excited to talk about the team as we go through the rest of the year. Definitely, uh, we'll be recording more and um, doing more spaces as we get closer to the deadline. Hopefully, the Wizards do another thing or two um, to help their bench and to to help improve the team as as we get down the stretch here. Because, like we just said, we know that they probably could use a little bit more bench help to, to make this team more complete and all around. But thank you guys for tuning in and listening. And for those of you that always listen and are loyal to our podcast, our subscribers have gone up by a decent amount this year. So appreciate all of you that tune in every time you record and listen to us Um, subscribe. If you already are, Leave us a five-star review, leave us a comment, and thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.